Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Awesome. Hey, so good to see you all this morning. How are you doing? Good. You know, I feel like um, the fact that the sun's come out for a Sunday is awesome. After a week of like terrible uh, weather, we thought last weekend was like, oh, the grand final weekend was amazing. We're just going to be cruising into the summer. Clearly, that's not been the way that it's panned out at all. But, you know, it's Melbourne. Duh, of course. Um, How great was worship this morning? Uh, Thank you so much to the worship team. That was amazing. Um, I've been loving this series, uh, The Heart of Worship. I was sharing with some of the other guys from church this morning um, about how much has touched my life. Um, I hope that you guys have also felt encouraged about pushing into a a deeper connection to God through worship. Um, And it was so great to have Pastor Miles down here last week uh, sharing that worship is warfare. um, He's he's an amazing uh, preacher. We're so lucky to have him as our lead pastor. Thanks, Miles. Um, I hope you're watching. Um, But but, um, that message that he had about that worship is not just something we do in church on a Sunday. You know, worship is how we live as Christians. It's how we fight our, fight our battles. We had a few songs like reinforcing that point. It's how we're going to reach the lost. You know, if we're not worshiping God in our own lives in every day, then people aren't going to see the amazing things that he's doing in our lives. And so as Miles said last week, there were two key goals. I'll do it that way. Two key goals that he had for the church this year. Number one was encountering God. And number two was doing community with others. These are the two filters that we're using to sort of make all of the decisions about what the church is prioritizing this year. Um, and obviously the, the series we just finished, The Heart of Worship, is all about uh, encountering God. Um, this week I've got the privilege to start uh, a new series. Um, as Zoe mentioned, um, it speaks to the other of those two points, community with others. And we're calling this series Genuine. It's about real relationships in a superficial world. And that idea of, you know, relationship with others... Um, that is so important for us as Elevation Church. It's actually in our mission statement. I don't know if you guys have seen it out the front there. Creating environments that inspire intimacy with Christ, relationship with others, and influence in our world. Yeah, so it's on the wall in the foyer there. There's a little hint that if something's really important to someone, they'll go stick it on their house or stick it as a big sticker on their car. I've got a Collingwood fan who's still got all the balloons and streamers up in the house. Um, we get it. We get it. You guys won the grand final. whoop de doo <laughs> Yeah, it's a, football's a bit of a trigger for me. I'm an Essendon supporter. We are um, 20 years without any joy. I, you know, I walk around the streets. I live in Yarraville, and we walk around the streets there, and the Western Bulldogs are the, the team of the suburb. And you still see faint, uh, fences that have been painted red, white, and blue from the 2016 grand final. We get it. It's enough. It's, you know. But, you know, we, we do that because it's important to us. And as a church, this is what we're about. We're about creating environments that inspire intimacy with Christ. Most important, that's number one. Relationship with others, so important. And that's what we're talking about today. An influence in our world. And life works best, we reckon, when we're in that, we're in that uh, relationship with God. We're in community with believers. Because only then can we actually make a difference in our world. And so in this series, we're going to talk about a few things. The importance of friendship is where I'm starting at today to the life of a Christian. What does biblical friendships look like? How and why were they successful? Um, we're going to talk about the importance of community. You know, we're a community of believers. That's, what, that's God's plan. He's called us 
to be one body, the body of Christ, where everyone is welcoming, everyone is accepted, but then everyone will be changed. And we're going to talk about uh, times maybe when we need to also do a bit of unfriending. You know, friending is, friendship is so important. It's so central to who we are as people. It's so influential in our lives that if sometimes we've got friends who are leading us in wrong directions, that might be something we need to address. But anyway, but first of all, before I kick off uh, the series today, I, I, I picked up a Miles. He said you could do all this talking at the start and then say you're going to start. Before, <laughs> it's very helpful. He's, he's a wise man. Um, we're going to start with a video, actually, um, that, that Miles um, has prepared with uh, one of the other guys from our church up in, uh, in Queensland. Um, and it, it just shares a little bit of Miles' heart for this series and, 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 and what he wants um, us to get out of it, but also what he's hoping for uh, the church to look like as a community of believers. So if you guys can start that video, that'd be great. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Gabe. Mate, it was only six months ago. Yeah. You were walking down here for your wedding. Yeah. This was a special wedding that Bonnie and I were a part of, and we want to talk about that today. Here's what blew me away. The depth of relationships that were happening. Everyone was connected. Everyone knew each other. Everyone had these deep convictions of relationship that I really haven't seen very often. You know, in some weddings, people you invite because you have to. Definitely. Uh, there wasn't any of that. And you know how some weddings people get invited and they don't want to be there. This wedding, everyone's connected, everyone's talking, everyone's laughing, everyone's cheering. There was a special deep community that Bonnie and I said, we want to be part of a church that has relationships like this. Powerful. What's really special about this story and these relationships that were built was Gabe's from South Africa. Yeah. It was only four years ago that he arrived in Australia, not knowing anybody. Correct. And then three years ago, you went to church, Elevation. Yeah. And that's where it all began. Because when I looked at these relationships, I'm thinking, this has been going on for 20, 30 years. Mm. What God did yeah. in three years yeah. is amazing. Correct. And I want to unpack that with you. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. You went to Elevation. What happened? I can vividly remember coming to Elevation for the first time. It was a revival night. And I remember in that night, I met about six or seven dudes, probably about my age or just older than me. Um, and I was plugged straight into a life group that night by, I think it was Jack Oxner. He, he told me, surely you got to join a life group. So I did. Did you know what a life group was? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> I think, what am I signing up for? Absolutely. I just said, oh, well, food and, and hangs. Yeah, sure, why not? Man, I've never felt more welcomed um, in my whole life walking to any sort of social event than when I did walking into Elevation. And then what was amazing was only a couple weeks later, yeah. lockdown. But there's some loopholes yeah. and you're able to keep meeting. Yes. How often did you meet? I think we all knew that in order for us to get through COVID, we needed to be seeing each other weekly. How did then those events, that life group, that gathering, cause those relationships to become so deep yeah. so quickly? Having to meet weekly and talk to each other on such a consistent basis, that really broke down a lot of walls for people. Talk about the vulnerability. So easy, we can have a mask. You're an outsider, you're a foreigner. What, what prompted that intimacy and yeah. that vulnerability? I, for my whole life, I've always been a person that was not very vulnerable. I, I definitely carried a lot by myself. I, I never knew Christ when I came over. What was what it like to be able to share and trust people with your secrets and your story? Um, hard at first. It's, it's hard to tell someone something that is really deep 
and you know that's impacted you for a while because um, you don't know how they're going to respond. You know, we talk about how men can be brash and harsh with the way they speak, but they weren't like that. They were compassionate, they were empathetic, and they actually wanted to help. And I genuinely don't think I would be the person I am today without them. Had you had relationships like this before? Were you open and vulnerable? And I, I, would, I, I actually can't say that I had so many. So what would be your advice to someone who's wanting some deep relationships in a short amount of time? What would be your suggestion to them in Elevation? Get in a life group that is vulnerable and that connects you on a consistent basis. Because genuinely, I believe that it was the consistency of that life group that changed my life. So how did you meet Brooke? I actually had seen her um, through all of the online services. She was the one singing. She was the pretty redhead singing. And I always said to all the life group boys, like, oh, what do you guys think about Brooke? And what do you guys think about Brooke? I think at that time, I didn't care much for the message. I just cared to look at Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bonnie and I are so proud of you and Brooke and the relationship you have. And we're so proud of our church that these relationships were built so quickly, um, so deeply. It's my prayer, my desire that every one of us would have that group of people where we're real, we're raw, we're vulnerable, we're open, we're, we're pouring into each other building each other up. So praise God for you and Brooke and for our future together at Elevation. Wow, that's um, pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so encouraging uh, to see how the church can help create an environment um, that real friendships can be established and flourish in such a short period of time. I, I remember that like, um, those videos from the uh, lockdown. It's like it's a bit of PTSD, uh, but it was um, it's great that it's obviously come to some good um, anyway. So um, I'm very excited for those guys. Now, just before I um, kick off, now, now I'm kicking off, now I'm starting. Right, before I kick off, I'm just going to uh, start with a prayer. So uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord God, for your power. Lord God, that your, your plan for us, Lord God, to be in community with others. Lord God, to be in community with you. Jesus, we thank you. We pray that you anoint my words, Lord God, so that um, people can feel encouraged to be uh, vulnerable, to step out, Lord, and, and find new and greater connections, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Uh, so today I just want to start with this uh, one thought. There'll be lots of thoughts that follow after this, but let's start with this one. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah, it's up there. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I don't know actually who said this first. It's one of those things that on the internet everyone seems to claim. Um, maybe you've seen it listed as one of those anonymous quotes in a meme somewhere. Um, but I do know that it's often quoted by uh, the lead pastor of Life Church, Craig Groeschel. Craig, um, I don't know if you know Craig. He's a, he's a good friend of Pastor Miles and Bonnie um, Paludan, so our lead pastors. Um, Miles and Bonnie used to be a pastor with Life Church when they lived in America. Um, and and pa um, Pastor Craig was good enough to send us recently a, a personal message and a, and a sermon that he put together as part of our uh, Go series. So, you know, someone we respect a lot in this church. And it says, he, he, he says it this way. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The people you're hanging out with today are shaping the person that you'll come, become tomorrow. And you might say, well, Dave, that sounds like a great soundbite. Um, great internet meme, but... Is that even biblical? Well, if you have a look at the wise words, not of Craig Rochelle, but of uh, King Solomon in Proverbs, oh, it says this about Solomon in the Bible. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sands on the seashore. 
So what does it say? What does this wise man have to say about friendship? In the book of Proverbs, it says this. This is uh, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. But on the other hand, a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. It might not be as quite as quite as catchy. I mean, I don't want to rewrite the Bible, but you know that that, that kind of says the same thing. You know that, that that show me your friends, and I'll show you the direction, the trajectory of your life. He says, if you walk with the wise, if you hang out with people who are wiser than you, who are more successful than you, who are kinder than you, who are better with money than you are, who are better leaders than you are, maybe who are more generous, who are more encouraging, then you will be raised up to their level. That's a great encouragement. But on the other hand, if you're hanging out with people who are up to no good, making bad decisions, well, they're going to drag you down to their level. And I don't know about you, I'm, this is something that I've experienced in my own life as well. The people of influence in my life who have helped me to grow and learn, increase my faith, my walk with God, um, that's happened best. That's been most successful when I'm doing with, with a group of friends who have been positive influences in my life. You know, thinking back to the friends that I had growing up in a church, to the, uh, the, the, the Bible study groups I was with uh, as part of my university life, the friends that I've got in this church, the, the positive influences, they help you rise up. They help to, you know, drag you from maybe where you're at, your mindset's where you are today, where you're stuck at, uh, to, a, to, to um, a more God-aligned mindset. Now, this is not just uh, in, in things of faith. I've got an example here about the time when, um, when it's been something that's really been apparent to me. Uh, most of the time, you know, obviously when I'm up here on stage, I'm not being a little mini Pastor Bronson like I am today sharing a word with you. I'm, you know, on the guitar. Alex was great today, though. He can have the job full time. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I uh, grew up a lot of time um, when I was young, uh, practicing, you know, sitting around, playing music. Um, and I didn't just do this sitting in my bedroom, you know, strumming an acoustic guitar, wishing that I was going to be Chris Tomlin one day or one of those great Christian musos. So probably the truth is I was probably, you know, a little bit more inspired by John Mayer. Um, but I was a bit more worldly then. I'm much more spiritual now. Um, no, uh, I was in high school and I spent a lot of my free time, you know, playing music with friends. I was in the choir at school. I was in playing saxophone, if you believe it, in the jazz band. And yeah, let's bring it back, maybe, saxophone, what do you reckon? We'll have a vote after this if you think that we should bring the saxophone back. Um, but even like, you know, hanging out with friends at parties, we'd be sitting around, you know, playing chords, uh, you know, playing along with songs. I was a bit of a music nerd, yes, I agree, a band geek, but... Um, having friends that were on the same path as me, learning off each other. Hey, how did you do that? Where did you hear that song? Can I, um, can I learn that off you? Can you show me how you do that? That way we could work together, inspire each other to, to, get, to get better. To get, and we, we had a great, a great group of friends growing up who played music. And in fact, at our wedding, we got the, to be, bring them all together as people who had been as part of our musical life. And they put on the, uh, the music for us at our wedding, which is awesome and much cheaper than paying for a band. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, though, when you're a teenager, uh, you know, you can also, you know, it's not just when you're a teenager, but let's just pretend that was a long time ago for me. It's a safe place to talk about. You can also hang out with some friends who maybe teach you a few less wholesome skills as well. Um, who can lead you down a few more dodgy paths. I have to say, I certainly had um, some experiences of that uh, when I was a teenager as well. 
They may have involved a few Bacardi breezes, um, and I'm just going to leave it leave it at that. I don't know if you guys remember the Bacardi breezes. The UDLs is the uh, I know <laughs> Sarah's got memories. <laughs> She's <laughs> but you know that's just to say that um, if you show me your friends and where head where they're heading, you know I'll show you your future and the trajectory that you're heading. And the truth is that we rarely make wise decisions all on our own. Without wisdom and guidance and good counsel from friends and mentors and other people, you know, it just seems to be beyond us to always make the right decisions. And in any area of my life where I've had success, it's directly tied to God using the right people to direct me in changing my mindset, to changing me, to motivate me towards the right actions, and then be influenced in making right decisions. On the other hand, you know, we rarely end up making bad choices and heading down the wrong path all of our own accord, right? When we're up to no good, we have plenty of company. There are always people who are trying to influence us in the wrong direction. So anyway, there's a bit of a challenge to start. And it brings me to the first point for those of you taking notes. This is my first point that I wanted to share with you today. Friendships matter. Friendships matter. Friendship is just not an optional extra in our life. It's not an afterthought. It's not a minor thing, right? Friendships are central to who we are as people. And they shape us. They influence our life. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And just to wake everyone up, we're going to do a little bit of an interactive exercise. So those who are taking notes, you know, get your phone out. You're ready to go. Everyone else, you know, find notes on your phone. Um, and if you're ready, all right, I want you to write down your five, a list of your five closest friends. Write down a list of your five closest friends. I'm not going to be prescriptive about who goes in the list, who should be there, who shouldn't be there. Don't be too spiritual about it. But also maybe if your dog's your best friend, maybe don't write that down because it's going to be a bit awkward for where I go from here. Write down a list of your five closest friends. The people you're closest to, the people who you can be transparent with, who you can rely on, you enjoy spending time with. And while you're doing that, I'll share this the thought. This is, um, this is something that sociologists have recently found in a lot of um, studies they've done into friendship. And the basic finding is this. You will be the average of your close five closest friends in almost every area of your life. It's weird, isn't it? You'll be the average of your five closest friends when it comes to things like money, you know, how much money you earn, when it comes to things like your hobbies, when it comes to your health, when it comes to you, uh, decisions around morality, right? You're going to be somewhere in the middle of that group of friends. So if you, which is great news, if you're pursuing God, it means that there's likely to be three or four people in that list who are also pursuing God with you, which is awesome. But it also means, on the other hand, if you're maybe don't have the best company, then maybe you're also following that trajectory. And it's amazing, never surprising, but it is amazing when sociology or science, psychology supports the truth of the Bible. You know, find out over time, oh, right, oh, Solomon was right all along. Yeah, God was right. God was right. We all just took a while to catch up. There's a lot actually on this in Proverbs. It has a lot of really practical things uh, to say about what true friendship looks like. Um, firstly, I'll just to set this up, it says in Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully. 
the righteous choose their friends carefully. And so if you're looking at that list, we might do a little bit of a, a, a sense check against what we should be looking for in some friends. Here is a, here's a list of scriptures. Proverbs says, A true friend shows love no matter what. A true friend gives heartfelt advice, bringing joy to the heart. A true friend rebukes when necessary, but the correction is always done with love. A true friend influences, enlivens, and sharpens. A true friend avoids gossip. A true friend forgives and does not hold grudges. He wasn't even looking at me, so how can I make a joke? <laughs> and a true friend is loyal. And if you look at your list, and then you look at that long list of, of scriptures, this could either be a great comfort to you. You go like, oh, yes. I can see how the people on my list, the people in my life, are supporting me. They are, they are truly loyal. They are avoid gossip. They are at times forgiving. At times they won't, you know, we, we might be digging up the past occasionally, but hey, we're working towards these things. But it also could be a bit confronting if maybe the people on that list aren't doing some of those things. Because, you know, we want to be able to learn from the people around us how to do life better. We want to be able to tap into two friendships to say, hey, look, hey, I'm struggling with my marriage. Can you help me out here? Or, hey, how did you manage to save up for that trip? You know, hey, I noticed that you've been, seemed like you've got more energy lately and you've lost a bit of weight. How can you help me about how to live more healthily? They're the kind of influences we want from our friends. And it matters. Friendship is not just an add-on. It's not just something you're going to pick out in the online cart on the way out the door. No, I'm looking at you, Zoe. <laughs> Friendship is critical and defines our trajectory of our life. It reflects our decisions and our priorities. Show you your friends and I'll show you your future. So you might say, okay, Dave, well, that's all very well and good. It's great. But um, you are so old school about this. Because you're asking me for just like five friends, right? But I don't have five friends. I've got hundreds of friends on Facebook. No one uses Facebook anymore. So now I'm looking at the young people. So I said, how many followers? You know, it's Insta, right? Or more. No, no, no. I, mean, I don't even talk about social media. I'm such a laggard. Don't, don't, don't look at me. But I know, like, we, you know, we get confused because with social media uh, in this day and age, and, and particularly how much time we spend online, it's harder to decipher what is true friendship than just our followers or our, how many likes we get. We get a sense um, from the verses in Proverbs about what true friendship looks like, but I just want to look, focus on one of these to help us unpack this idea. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So yes, it might be great to have an online presence and to be able to connect with people that way. I'm certainly not knocking it. It's great. But actually, the truth is that real friendship is not something that can just be easily contained in like an online relationship. God has something specific in mind when he defines friendship, what it looks like. It's not just a, a thumbs up or a meme or whatever. It's someone who's going to be there through hard times. Someone who's going to be able to love us in all times through all seasons. Someone who's also going to be there in times of joy and to celebrate with us. Yes, where there's a big blue thumb, but if you need another icon, you need another emoji, you need something that's going to connect a little bit more when it's a hard time. And this takes me to the second point. Friendships matter more than screens. <laughs> I sound like an old bloke, but stay with me here. Stay with me here. 
I've cleverly named this section uh, based on a little saying that we have with the kids. People matter more than screens. Usually I have to say that when they are staring at the TV, they're staring at the Nintendo, you know, their grandparents are on the door, walking out the door. Bye, Sophia. Bye, James. And I'm sure all like parents can relate a little bit to this with kids because they get sucked in, right? There's the tablet is so consuming. But like me, maybe you also feel a little bit convicted about this as well in our own lives, right? When we, how we use our technology. Do you ever find yourself mindlessly scrolling when you could have been having a meaningful conversation with a member of your family or your partner at dinner last night, Zoe? <laughs> I wasn't meaning to give her this much stick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's not going to... Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Have you ever found that actually you've caught up with a friend that you haven't seen for a while, but then all of a sudden this thing's come in and there's something, and have you seen that thing on Insta and what up? No. Like, so it happens to me too. It does. Have you ever found yourself not picking up a call that's coming in? Because like, it's a bit tricky. I'll just text them back later. I'll just put it in a WhatsApp. Maybe it just helps to control that conversation. A bit. I really don't want to talk to them about that. We'll just pick that up later when I can work out the, the words I want to say to them. I hope no one has done this, which is, you know, shifting all our relationships onto Zoom. Um, I, I know for those, this is particularly um, challenging for me and I'm sure others who work in, in office-based work where every meeting now seems to be an online meeting. I'm sitting like three desks away from you, but we're on the same call with our ears plugged in and watching someone on the screen. It's really going to be hard to get away from in work. I hope no one's doing that in their personal life because it's killing me. But anyway... Friendship is developed when you are being present. Friendship can be only developed by being present with each other. It's hard to foster the kind of relationship that's ever going to bring the types of things that we heard uh, in, in Pastor Miles' video about being open. Intimacy, growth, and ability to challenge each other if we're just not meeting face to face. You know, online, you get to maintain that facade. You know, it's so easy, you know, this is what I look like. <laughs> I don't look like that. Do I look like that? <laughs> it's so easy to sort of just go, yeah, everything's going awesome. I'll send you some ironic thing on Facebook, you know, or, or keep talking about Facebook. I'm going to lose it with the young crowd. They won't want to hear this. I can't express, you can't express real emotion and connection in like 140 characters. You know, it's just not, it's just not, um, it's not sufficient to encompass all of that part of human existence. You know, a friend loves at all times and is a brother for adversity. If I can't get past the, uh, the, the perfectly, perfectly silhouetted shot or whatever on Instagram and into actually how you're dealing with things, we're never going to have that intimacy. We're never going to be able to talk about the uh, issues of life that matter where you're really hurting you know, where you might actually need a friend and support and love. God has a vision uh, for friendship. It's beautifully summarized uh, in this section in the book of Hebrews. It says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together, as some of you do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
This vision of community is not about isolation or surface-level friendships. It's, it's about catching up regularly, intentionally, understanding where we each other are at. We need to, how can you encourage someone if you don't actually understand where they're at, what they're dealing with? It's about motivating each other to acts of love and good works. Hey, you know, I think there's so much more that you can achieve. There's so much more that you can do. There's, you can be a better friend. You can be a better parent. You can, be, you can go for that job. How can we do that if we're just doing this ones? But this kind of life, you can't do this kind of life in community from isolation. And I know that I don't need to preach to anyone in Melbourne about the limitations of life in isolation. You know, lockdown capital of the world, former lockdown capital of the world, thank God that's behind us. We found a way to survive, sure, but we all know, deep down, we all know that's not the way that God intended our life to be. We are now in a society that is also beginning to understand the consequences of social isolation. Yeah, Post-COVID, sure, that, that made things more apparent, but these trends were clear uh, much earlier. And the, the effect that living you know, in online, living in social dislocation has caused really widespread issues around mental health that we're going to be dealing with. And that's, not, that's, that's issues for us as a church, but that's also issues in connecting with our broader community. And then, um, so there is definitely a place. There is definitely a place for online communication. There's definitely a place for social media, but it's a complement. It's a complement to face-to-face relationships. And um, just to give you one example about how we try and do a little bit of that in this church, uh, and the guys in our, uh, in our church, well, they're kind of like, they're not young guys anymore. I'll leave that to these guys. They're kind of the formerly young guys. I'm trying to avoid the term middle age. But the formerly young guys, um, we try and catch up with some degree of regularity uh, for guys' burger nights. Um, it's usually a great time. I know they're laughing because the regularity this year has been pretty unregular. Um, we're trying to address that. I sent a message out last night knowing that I was going to have to be confronted by sharing this with you today. Um, so anyway, I mean, everyone's welcome. It's something we usually catch up middle of the week, maybe about once a month, aiming for that. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's guy time, right? It's, it's away from family and kids. <laughs> we can talk about hobbies. We can talk about how things are going at work, how things are going with, you know, your partner, just what's happening in life. And, you know, that... Um, I don't know, there's, there's always got to be a bit of food involved because that sort of helps get the mouth working. It takes, takes a bit of time to warm us up. We have a beer as well. Um, but, you know, it's a great time to be able to understand just where people are at beyond what we can have in this interaction or out, out the front of church. But the funny thing was, during the 2020 lockdown, we actually tried it once on Zoom. And it, was, it seemed like such a great idea at the time. Just go and get your own takeaway you know, go and get some Uber Eats or whatever, and we'll all jump on a Zoom call and dial in. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to have that same connection. No. Did it work? No, not at all. Wasn't the same. Wasn't the same. You can't have that sort of, I'm having a one-on-one with you, and there's all these other people talking. How can I, how can I do that? But, you know, and then I can shift around to the other end of the table because I, I realize I haven't spoken to Bronson for a little while. Or, you know, come on, Luis, you should come along as well. We'll have a burger. That'd be great. Do you know, and... and you know, this type of connection is something we can definitely do better at this church. You know, and I hear the stories about, the, you know, the way that um, Gabe, was it his name was, got connected in the life group um, up in uh, uh, um, Gold Coast. And I think, gee, 
It would be amazing to have more of these groups going on. I know there are some people who have um, set up some uh, um, life groups recently, and I just encourage everyone. You know, this is, this is going to be the foundation of our church. It's not just what we're doing in this building here, but it's how we can connect with each other outside to really know each other, to know where we're at and support each other. And I know, like, everyone does life a little bit differently. There are different seasons of life, certainly. I do friendships very differently now than before I had kids, before I was married, um, before I worked full-time. And there are definitely going to be differences in the way that personality types feel like they want to engage. Introverts are probably going to do this sort of connection a little bit differently to extroverts. You know, you're catching up for a quiet one-on-one. Or, Michaela, we're going out to karaoke. <laughs> Bring it! Yeah, I'll be up for that. Um, so these, there's going to be paths. This, it's always going to look different for everyone. But the idea I want to leave you with this, is this. Let's be intentional. When you catch up, be present. You know, be present. Don't cancel. Just try and get there. Just try and make it happen. Put the phone away. Don't give up the habit of meeting together in person. Be present and available. That way you can encourage each other. You can motivate each other. You can love one another. I'm going to put this quote in, and um, it's uh, talking directly to me um, as a millennial. So again, just want to sound like I'm not ranting at anyone. It's from Timothy Keller. It says this, you millennials, thanks, you millennials are the generation most afraid of real community because it inevitably limits freedom and choice. Get over your fear. And that might sound a bit direct. You might find that a bit challenging, but this is coming from Tim Keller. He's now passed away, but he was a towering man of faith. He wrote many influential books, and he founded Redeemer Presbyterian Church in the heart of New York City. New York City cool, right? If anyone's got street cred, it's Timothy Keller. And I feel like it speaks to a truth that is a bit uncomfortable for me and, and my generation, right? We've got to get past the fear of doing real community in a way that might be a bit convenient. We've got so much choice, but... If we open ourselves up, we might feel a bit vulnerable. But that's God's plan for us, is to not do surface-level community where we're keeping everyone at arm's length. It's to love one another, learn from each other, and grow together. And that takes me to my final point that I want you to take away from today's message. Friendships matter to God. Friendships matter to God. If the keys could come up, that would be great, thanks. It's not just that friendships are important to us and shaping who we are. We've already covered that more than a bit. But the whole notion of friendship is so central to God's design for this world. The God of the universe is a relational God. And from the very beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're having trouble with numbers on our hands today. One God in three persons. He was in relationship with himself with the the three parts of the trinity from creation it says this in john chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god from the beginning and through him all things were made now i am too junior at this pastoring thing this preaching thing to be able to talk too much about trinity uh, the theology of the trinity i'll leave it to bronson so let's not go there but I, wanted to, I just wanted to, to, to center that in you a little bit because it is so important. God is a relational God. And that is the way that he connects with us. We see this from the beginning. 
He has been reaching out to humankind, seeking a relationship with us. Many of you will know the story of Abraham in the Old Testament, the father of Isaac, grandfather of Jacob, who through faith followed Jesus, sorry, (laughs) through faith followed God's calling to leave his home and to travel to the promised land. He would become the founding father of the nation of Israel. He would be the great father of faith. And what does it say in James chapter 2, 23? It says this of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. He was called God's friend. God called Abraham not just to get him to do a bunch of stuff, not just to get him to do what he wanted, not even just to, to get him to come along and you know set up a church or to worship him or bow down at an altar. God didn't do any of those things. He continued to pursue a relationship with Abraham over time, revealing himself more about his plans and his purposes, listening to Abraham's question of, of doubts. God called Abraham in order to have a relationship with him that he might be called a friend of God. And I don't know, I, you know, that's so, again, you might say, well, that's Old Testament. That's you know, one special guy with the special heroes in the Bible back in the day, that's fine. But actually, it's not just about the Old Testament and something that happened with some special guy back in the day. The plan was the same with Jesus. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, for our sins, that we could become, that we could become a friend of God. In John 15, 15, it says, Jesus says this to his disciples, I have called you friends. I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. See, God could have just sent a letter. He could have just made a proclamation. This is how you should live as God's people. But he didn't, he didn't do that. He sent Jesus. He sent his own son to have a relationship, yeah, sure, with the disciples at the time, but to show us how to live life as a friend of God. That's what it is. When you read in the stories, you read about the, the silly things the disciples did, the things that they said, trying to catch up, trying to keep up, not understanding. And he showed us how patient he is with all of us by showing how patient he was with his friends. He showed us how much time he would take to reveal his truth to us, how he wanted us to live, how we could be saved through believing in him, that he could make a way that we would be known by him through his Holy Spirit that he sent, that we could have a relationship with him. If you don't know him today, I'll give you an opportunity in a moment to accept that invitation that, that Jesus is, has given to all of us to accept him as our Lord and Savior and to start that relationship with him. But you see, I'm just going to finish with this point. One of the, the lies of the modern age is that we should strive to be independent. That somehow if we uh, don't have to worry about money, we don't have to worry about um, you know, being tied down by other people, that somehow that will give us satisfaction, that that will be the route to freedom. But that is completely wrong. 
That is completely wrong. The idea is not to be independent, but as a Christian, we are meant to be dependent on Him. That is why He came. Because everyone was running off being independent, their own way, their own thoughts, their own ideas. But, but He came that we might learn how to be dependent on Him. How Jesus could reach us in our sin, in our lostness, and be brought back into relationship with God the Father. That we could be called a friend of God. So in the same way He's called us to live as a community of believers, to have friendships, we're going to unpack that a little bit more during this series as we go forward. But I just say this, you know, if you don't have too many Christian friends, if you don't have too many Christian friends, that's probably not where God wants you to live. God is calling you into a deeper relationship with people in this church. You are the body. We are the body. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. It's His number one plan for reaching the world. And we're called to meet together, to motivate each other to good deeds, to encourage one another and to be His church. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, You are you are an amazing God, Lord. Lord, the church um, is Your number one plan for this world. Lord God, that... Um, in and of ourselves, Lord God, we strive to be independent. We, we think we know what's good for us, but we run in all these directions, Lord God, seeking things that won't bring us joy, won't bring us contentment, won't bring us peace. Lord, you made the church that we could be a community of believers, Lord God, that we could be strengthened, Lord God, uh, by each other. But Lord God, that we could be directing ourselves and directing our gaze together, Lord God, on your mighty, your mighty name. Lord God, your mighty plan, your word, Lord, that is, is good fruit, Lord God. Lord, that for everyone who hears the name of Jesus, Lord God, I could be saved. And if there's anyone here today that does not know you, Lord, I just pray that, that they would have a, re a realization, Lord God, a recognition that you are calling out to them. Lord, you are calling them to have a relationship with you, their creator. Lord, their Savior, Lord God, that your power to change lives can only be known through a relationship with you. Lord God, and so if there's anyone today who wants to know you, Lord God, I would just say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know my Creator who wants a relationship with me. Lord, I have come out of a life of doing things my own way and it hasn't got me where I want to be. Jesus, take my life and make me new. Lord, and I pray, um, if anyone has said that prayer today, those simple words, Lord God, that your power would be moving, Lord, in them now, Lord God, your Holy Spirit would be anointing on them. Lord, that they might know you, that they would make a choice to follow you, Lord God, and seek you in every, every day of their life. But for the rest of us, Lord, for the rest of this church, Lord God, pray that this series, Lord, would be a chance to spur up something new in us, Lord, to not give up meeting together, like the writer of Hebrews mentions, that we would become a church that is even more there to encourage one another, to love each other, to serve each other,
Lord, that we might understand what it is to live in community the way that you've defined it, with friendships, Lord God, that are impactful, that are empowering, that are encouraging, Lord God, that will change our lives for the better, Lord God, and allow your power to work through this church. Lord, we just pray these, uh, these things in, in, in your mighty name. We pray that this series will be blessed and anointed by your great word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.